Welcome to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I'm your host, Linda Malone, certified conversion copywriter, copy strategist, and founder of Copyworks. Join me each week as I speak with experts in the fields of marketing, copywriting, decision-making, psychology, and more, all with one goal, to help you attract your ideal customers and inspire them to take action. Kay is the founder and CEO of UpDesign's visual marketing and website design business. She helps game changers, innovators, and entrepreneurs who are passionate about making a positive impact. From healthcare entrepreneurs to bioscientists fighting cancer, Kay ensures their online presence reflects their tremendous value to attract investors and achieve their goals. With a 15-year background, As a Fortune 500 marketer, she's worked with prestigious clients such as Microsoft, Intel, and Warner Brothers. Fun fact, Kate has completed 11 Spartan Obstacle Course mud races, which I've got to ask her about, of course. So in today's interview, Kate is going to talk about how she chose this particular niche and what a visual marketer is and how does it help her clients achieve their goals and a whole lot more. So let's get started. All right. Well, I'm excited today to talk to you, Kate. So thank you so much for joining me and taking time out of your day. Yes. Thank you for having me. So excited. Yeah. And I talked about in your bio, I always ask people about an interesting fact about themselves. And I didn't know you did Spartan obstacle courses. First of all, I now you, I don't know if you know, I used to be a personal trainer. So I, I was I think old. I did know that. Yeah. I never did an obstacle course for, I don't know many reasons, but <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated by people. Are these the, it's a, they're all mud races that you did? And they are. Yeah. So I got into Spartan racing. I'm not the type of person who would ever do something like this, but I am the type of person who, when I see someone doing something and I say, I'm not that different than them, I could do that. The social proof competitive thing comes out. Right. Right. I guess so. You did 11 of them. So it's not like you tried it once and I got hooked. It's funny. Once you finish, when you get at the starting line, you think, why did I sign up for this? And then you get to the end and you're like, when can we do another? Wow. It's, it's really funny. Any any particular memory that stands out? Because that's a lot of races and I know things can really go wrong or they could be something really good. Anything particular that stands out? It's funny because the longest one I ever did, most of them are pretty short, the sprints and stuff, but the longest one I ever did was, I think it was nine miles and it was in North Carolina and it had rained for three days prior. Wow. Running in the mud is no joke. Climbing (laughs) up hills in the mud is no joke. And right at the eight and a half mile mark, you don't know where you are in the race at any given time. Oh, wow. I hear someone yell, only half a mile more. And I went, and I hit a rock and went, boom. And I swear I almost broke something. It was so painful. I couldn't walk my three days. Well, you didn't hit your head or anything. Thank God. And I, you know, limped to the end and they, you jump over a fire pit. As your last, well, you jump over a fire pit. I would not do that, but go ahead. <laughs> it sounds worse than it is. I've never seen anyone get burned. So, yeah, yeah, but I knew someone who was really big into triathlons, and he tells about you know they have the swim part. Where you, it's an ocean swim, and he swam through 
what do you call a herd of jellyfish? I don't know, a bunch of jellyfish. And he was stung all over. And that was when he says he came out of the water and just covered in welts. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that either. So so people say, I don't go to the gym because I don't like the gym. It's like the gym is safe. If you decide to leave, you can go. You don't have 10 miles like on either side to just decide, you know, I, I just can't get it. But yeah, I'm fascinated by that. So you don't do them anymore, I take it, or do you? No, I retired. I, th- you know, when it beca- starts to feel like a chore or you've done this too much, it's, it's time to time to call it quits. Yeah. yeah. Well, you hung in there for 11 times. So I'm impressed. Yeah. But yeah. So no, jumping into this, so there's no real segue from mud racing to visual <laughs> marketing. So unless you can visualize like all that mud, which is what I think of. Yeah. So as a visual marketer, now I haven't heard that term before I talk to you. Is it something like, what is it? And how did you even get into visual marketing? I had never heard the term visual marketing and nobody actually talks about visual marketing as a thing. Mm-hmm. I think people just assume there's design and then there's copy. Yeah. And I think sometimes what's missing is, and what's really important, because I really get to the deeper level of it and how it impacts people in a different way. So yes, you have visuals. A picture is worth a thousand words. Yes, you have copy. They're super inspiring. Obviously, copy can change the game, right? But you can have great copy and horrible visuals. Mm-hmm. It's not great. Or vice versa. So it really more is the combination of how you put them together. So there's tons and tons of studies showing that if you have some kind of visual that helps you understand the copy better and faster, and it's very subconscious or yeah. helps it bring it to life more or helps give it that second look, it subconsciously makes it more memorable and absorbs more. Yeah, it makes sense. So it's really about the combination. So any type of visual marketing, it could even be copy, right? So there's a way to make copy pop that people don't utilize at all, right? Like italicizing certain things or underlining or bolding, like people aren't going to read blocks of copy on your website, which I'm sure you know. So making it super easy for them just to scan and absorb, you know, as quickly as possible. So that could be like an infographic, that could be a website, that could be anywhere where those two things intersect Mm -hmm. and how they They help people comprehend and understand and be more impacted by what you're saying. It would also catch your eye more. Like I know when I scan a page and most people do this and I learned this from copywriting, like we, we learn how to capture like all people in all different levels of a decision-making process. So people who are types of decision-makers, I should say. So if people are skimmers, which most of us are, we're going to jump to the headings that catch our eye. And if it's a huge block of copy, I don't know anyone who reads, like, I don't know. I just, I I can't imagine now just reading, you know, an entire paragraph that it's not broken up. So what's interesting to me is that it's not just the visual, like immediately my thought was, you know, a picture. So it doesn't mean that necessarily, but it could be the way a page is formatted that would also be considered visual. Absolutely. There are certain standard practices, obviously, that some people even overlook with a lot of things that are critical to people understanding and absorbing. And then, and if they understand and absorb what you're doing, they're more likely to convert, which is really why it matters because you want to be able to work with them. You want to be able to get them what they need so that they can make their impact, fulfill their purpose, like whatever, whatever they're doing their business, right? Make money. I don't, you know? (laughs) Well, what are some of the things that people overlook? I mean, you can't just, 
put that out there and then not explain. (laughs) Everyone overlooks these, but (laughs) yeah, totally. So if you can't understand something, if something doesn't help you understand something quickly, don't overcomplicate. Some people, like the, and icons are a perfect example. Something so simple. Don't overcomplicate the icon because no one's going to stare at an icon and go, what does that mean? If you even give them a second of, I'm not really sure what that means. It's not the right icon. Or using pops of color where you want people's eye to go. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's like, whoa, you don't want to use too much, but you don't want it to be like beige right. either, right? So it could be like iconography. It could be sometimes people like don't highlight the right things mm-hmm. even, you know, like they're not highlighting or helping people go through section by section. Like, what am I looking at? Sometimes just basic stuff like that. Right. Um, well, stuff that I consider basics. I've been doing presentations for 25 years. Hurts or hurt websites, you know? Some people might not. But does that also pertain to, like I was on a website the other day and it was for, it was a copywriting website, but there were so many bells and whistles. Like literally everything was moving on the page. There was, I mean, it was an exciting website and it was beautifully done. And I'm sure she paid a ton of money for it, but it was almost to the point of distraction where I knew, you know, I know what she does, but all I could think about was how cool the website was. I mean, can you overdo think the visuals like in a way like that? Yeah, definitely. One thing I see that's lacking is white space. Give people a second to absorb what they've just read. Mm-hmm. People aren't robots, right? And so sometimes you'd be surprised sometimes the space that you're going to want to put, right? Like if it's a block of copy, put more space in it or whatever. If you have too many moving objects or too many scrolls, one feature that I think comes even automated on most website platforms is that it unveils everything as you scroll down. I turn that feature off. I don't like it either. It's not helpful. It Again, it makes it look fancy, but no one's going to read that content. They're going to be so distracted by that stuff. And I think the difference is a lot of designers, they don't think about comprehension. Mm -hmm. They don't think about that type of stuff. I've just gotten into like the psychology of it a little bit more so. So a lot of times they'll over design Mm -hmm. certain things and kind of forget that maybe that will be most effective. Yeah. Or it's just too distracting. I find that with the sliders for testimonials. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a big thing, but like I was on a site the other day, it was for a client and the testimonials, I was trying to capture the testimonials on the site. And I couldn't, I couldn't even read the whole thing because they were kept sliding and going by. And I'm, I had to like do a screenshot and, and I worked with a copywriting coach. who said, just don't do it. Do you have an opinion on those sliders? Is that something? No auto sliders. So you agree with that then? A hundred percent. Also in the header. Yeah. No autos, you know, just a static header, one header, not mm-hmm. multiple headers. You can have maybe a, like a little animation. Or like I have a highlight animation that just stops at the end of the highlight in my header. But headers is a whole separate topic, but that's, you know, that's where your audience might never get past. Most people will never get past the header. So you've got to make it count. Yeah. And there's a lot of those that scroll, like when the header, like you said, there's part of it that's static. And then there's something that rolls like you know, we service, like, for example, you know, all the industries start scrolling. It's like, what if you just jump on because you're looking for one 
particular thing and you have to wait now to see if that's what they're addressing. You know, to me, it's, I agree with that, but a lot of people have it on their site. So it's, it's interesting to me, but um, I wanted to ask you too about the niche that you work with. So you say change makers, innovators, entrepreneurs who are elevating industries. So what exactly, who are those people and why did you choose that niche? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I used to be a generalist because I've worked with all types of brands and when you work at, and you worked at, I think you worked at Time too, right? I had an article published in Time. Oh, okay. Yeah. I knew there was like some <laughs> connection there, but when you work for, you know, a publisher, like I did for so long, you're, you, you have to be a generalist, like whatever advertiser comes your way, you need to come up with, you know, marketing ideas and things like that. But about, I want to say like 15 years ago now, I had like a major health thing happen to me. I had a really bad reaction to a medication that I took and I went to doctor after doctor after doctor. And they finally said, we have nothing left to give you. There's nothing left on the shelf. And the utter shock that came was like, what do you mean? You know, like you're supposed to save me. This is what you do, right? I'm just going to stay like this forever. And at that point, I ended up seeking more natural medicine approach. Mm -hmm. And it, I literally took their suggestion and in 12 hours, it was gone. Wow. I was shocked. I was shocked. I was so impressed. I was, and it was nutrition, believe it or not. So I was completely shocked and it really changed the game for me. I really got more into health and wellness. I've always been interested in psychology and things like that, but I really got into it. So health and wellness. And then I'm also like super pumped up about people who like wake up every morning with this mission. They're just like, Today, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to change this industry. I'm going to put, and I'm like, oh my God, like, because that's amazing to me, like that you're <laughs> not excited about anything day after day after day. After right. day, after day right? <laughs> so I just get super psyched for them. And then I, and so when someone, you know, comes to me and they're like, I want to do this, I want to do that, blah, 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 I'm like, all right, let's do it. So I just really like and respect and admire people that can be across a variety. Mm-hmm. Niches, obviously there's people in every niche, but like there is a certain client that I've worked with like quite a bit and those are them. Yeah. So you kind of get caught up in their energy and their, their excitement and yeah, yeah, I change the world, do it. Yeah. Let's let's do do it now before you, before you change your mind. (laughs) Before the sky turns black in New York. (laughs) Oh, I know. Or in this case, yellow, you know, that whole air thing, but Yeah. Can you give me some examples of how like the visual marketing has helped your clients? So you 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 t- lean towards like do you lean towards the health and wellness industry? Is that or is that just one of many different? You know, I honestly those are those are the people that I went after for a while, mm-hmm. and I sort of broadened it because I realized that a lot of the clients that I was working with they were more about for good, changing for good, mm-hmm. and so it didn't have to be health and wellness specifically, but you know, like this organization, it's called Girls in Tech and it really is women in tech, but, you know, I joined the board of that and wanted to help them out because they want to help women get into tech and stay in tech, which actually doesn't happen at all, which was a little surprising to me. But when I read the numbers, I was even more surprised. So I want to help them. I like to help people who help people. So you're into that as well as so I, I can understand that because I, I know with my own writing, I started because my background in fitness, you know, and I started with 
helping. In fact, I helped a written for a functional medicine company. So I know all about that. And there's, there's a lot to it. It's made me very leery of like, allo- is it allopathic doctors? Like that's what they consider like traditional. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot there. Well, how, so how do you stay inspired? Are you motivated by your clients being motivated or have you found your own way to keep, keep yourself yeah. inspired? I mean, honestly, it's both, right? To get inspired, I actually started setting aside time for that because I realized that that is a big part of my business and my selling is that I have to be excited about yeah. what I'm doing. It's just the type of person that I am. If it gets too salesy or corporate, it just doesn't work for me because that's not why I'm in the game. You know, like that's not why I'm doing this. So there's a, a bunch of things design wise. There's this, have you ever seen Abstract on Netflix? No. Is that a series? If you're a creative, not even creative necessarily, but definitely if you're a creative, these are people who have changed the design industry in all types of ways. So one is a her- an architect. One is all he does is fonts, like he- uh, Hepfler and Co. They're like the oldest font company. All really? they do. And he walks around New York City and he like looks at the like old watch fonts and whatever. Oh, wow. See how these people have just like perfected their craft. Uh huh. Super set. So anyway, that's something like that. Like I'll watch an abstract episode and be like, oh yeah, I gotta go look up fonts. Like I. <laughs> I don't like geek out on that stuff. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. I you know? <laughs> so anything else that you do that to get motivated? Do you watch any particular, like I'm thinking with myself, it's like, I'll get on like right before our interview, I was watching just some rock videos on YouTube and I get really pumped up. I do that at the gym. Like if I'm on a stationary bike or something where I find I get more motivated to keep going with a visual of a concert versus just listening to the headset. Like, Interesting. yeah, it's a whole different thing. Cause the other day I was at the gym and I just was not feeling it. And I was just, I'm going to cut it short. And I'm going through all the excuses about how I can justify it. And so let me just try it. So I got on my phone, I got a YouTube concert footage up and I kept going and I was so like, it just changed everything. My whole attitude changed everything. So you think it was the visual, just the whole video that, I just love that. Yeah, there's something about seeing other people at a different stage or doing something. I have the exact same thing. I don't know if everybody has that. It, I mean, it definitely works for me. And I, yeah. I do know, I have some statistics on my website. I'm not going to name them exactly, but it's something like 70% of people are visual. They're visual learners. They get more from visuals. So that's you know at least two out of three people who visit mm-hmm your website or it's going to stand out in your scroll on social or, you know, whatever it is, people are going to be drawn to that. Right. So there is that element for sure. And because podcasts have become so popular, but Mm -hmm. a lot of them aren't video podcasts. And I would much, I think you build trust, but I would much rather see and hear somebody than just hear them, which is probably why you did a video podcast as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I heard that people will keep a YouTube video on of a podcast. And even though they're not really watching it the whole time, they'll leave it on when they're cooking or something. Mm. For you who told me this. And they they will just listen, but then occasionally look over. I like to see faces. Like that's just, I even listen to, I, I got an iHeartRadio. Even though I'm in Arizona now, there's an LA rock station I love. And in the morning, their morning show is freaking hilarious. This Heidi and Frank. And I turn it on because a lot of times they do visuals that 
it really helps to see them interact. Mm-hmm. But I, if they're just on the radio, it's a whole, it's just not nearly as good for me. So yeah, I mean, visuals are emotional, right? Yeah. So here's, I have sort of a, a three step thing that I've, I've done a ton of research on this, a ton of psych research on like visuals and impact and all of that. So think about an experience that you've had in your life where you, you'll never forget it. Something, it could be like when I first saw Le Louvre in Paris at night, that dome lit up with the Arc de Triomphe and, you know, those, it was absolutely spectacular. There were fire throwers. There was all this kind of thing. That's a memory that imprinted. It made me feel something strong. I saw it. It made me feel something strong. It imprinted, which people don't talk about imprinting because it's a psychology thing. Mm -hmm. It happens in a split second. It happened so fast, you wouldn't even know that process happened and it implants in your memory. So 90% of our brain is meant for visual information, which is a huge percentage. Yeah. If you're not using visuals, you are the right visuals and visuals that are impactful, not generic. Everybody goes generic to be safe, not the way to go. If you don't have a personality around your visuals, you're just missing out. Right. Listening out a way to impact people. So I try to do the same thing, like creating an experience online, mm-hmm. not just a couple of visuals and some text, but that because that will make it more memorable. So with your website or with an infographic, or it could be anywhere that you're present, you want to think about that effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just really believe in it. You know, I've just done too much research to the contrary. Yeah. And I've set up my whole life to be about memorable experiences. You know, that's There's like, a book too. What's it called? Moments? Memorable. Ooh. Moments? Yeah, I don't have the title in front of me, but another podcast guest told me about it. And it's all about ex- creating experiences for your mm-hmm. customers or clients. Oh. Yeah. And they, they talk about a restaurant, I think it's in France, I'm not sure, where you walk in, it's a very high-end restaurant. There's a button on the table that says, hit the button for champagne. And this restaurant in in the whole thing, because they gamified it and it's fun. It's a button you can't resist. And it's like, and it's a talking point and people talk about it. I'm talking about it. I don't even know the name of the restaurant, but their sales of champagne, it's ridiculous compared to everybody else because they found a way to create an experience around that. Or there's another, there's a hotel that has something similar. There's a phone in the hotel room that says dial for popsicles or something and they deliver popsicles frozen popsicles on a like a silver tray to you at the beach or something insane and people <laughs> talk about that too and the whole point is that nothing around it is really any different just a hotel but this particular thing is what make, gets people talking so that sounds like what you're talking and you have to kind of get into that with people like what is it that makes you want to take action on something and yeah takes digging. I mean, you can't just, it's not something people can answer on a survey, really. And a lot of people, and I talk about this, the difference between just a web designer order taker and a web strategist, right? And like a visual marketer, which again, you're not going to see that term put out there, but someone who really understands, Mm -hmm. you know, how that, how that works. And you have to have some idea of who you are and what you want, which we all discuss in the strategy call. You have to be at some stage of awareness with who your customer is, like all that information before we can even 
dive into how we want, you know, our visuals to be portrayed or like I get to know them. For example, you know, this healthcare, these two healthcare women that I'm working with, they used to work in big healthcare. And by talking to them, I got to know their personality a little bit. And like, they're kind of quirky, even though they're like healthcare corporate reaching old white men doctors, right? Uh So there's, there's sort of that, like, can we embed a little bit of quirk in your design without being too much, right? So their header, they created a video that was like, you know, them high-fiving and throwing papers up in the air, like a medical paper up in the air, whatever. It was pushing the limit like a little bit for them, but infusing some originality, you know? So it's stuff like that. That's so important. And in B2B, that's something that a lot of companies are afraid to do because they, you know, everyone wants to fit into this like mold and they have to all be like most SaaS websites are very similar. And whenever I talk to a client, a SaaS client, they're usually very reluctant, not all the time, but a lot of times. And when they're not, like I can tell, you probably can do this too, the first time, especially on Zoom, because you get to see the, the person's face, I can tell within one conversation if this is going to be a fun person to work with or if it's not going to be, or if it's just going to be run of the mill. But there's certain personalities that as soon as they get on a call with me and they're just themselves, like I know they don't have any pretense or they're not trying to put on any errors. Then I get excited because it's like, okay, this is going to be good because that's how I am. You know, somebody yeah. said the other day, you know, with, <laughs> he was talking about me on, on LinkedIn. He said, with Linda, what you see is what you get. And I said, I've been uh, told, <laughs> I've been told them very direct. So I like your take better. Because <laughs> he said, I think it's the East Coast thing. I said, probably, but, but definitely. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. It's not mean, it's just direct. Yeah. I don't realize it sometimes. I don't or- find that with, with you, but yeah. No, I mean, and you want somebody who really believes in what they do and can try to help you see things differently. But I get it. I mean, even if I can push it a little bit to help make them like slightly unique so that, you know, whoever's looking at that site might remember that they're going to get the perfect fit client. And so that's the other thing. It's like at the fear of reaching everybody. And I was afraid to kind of hone down into like a more specific niche for that reason. I think a lot of people are that they're going to push other people out. But the truth is, if someone really wants to work with you, they're not going to care if you're in their niche, which I've also found. Yeah. But it does help provide that extra security for people you really do want to work with. And if you have your own business, you really get to choose, right? Well, what advice would you give a company who wants to maybe, maybe they're taking a look at their own website and they're saying, well, how can I make this more visually appealing? Are are there any particular tips that you would, would give them to take a look at? I go through a whole audit process. I know you have an audit too, which is probably the best way is is to just, because you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know what to ask, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's probably the best thing to do to get a detailed one. But the header is the number one thing, as, as you said, right? So I just looked at a website yesterday. This is a perfect example. A lot of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, small businesses, it's like a, we do X. We do that. We do this. I'm this. I can do this. And that's not going to sell you. Right. That's not going to convert you. So that first image has to be powerful. It has to be memorable. I just put a picture of me. A lot of entrepreneurs do that because I am my company, right? So that face 
it is what it is. For most companies, they're not good. They're a bigger business. They're not going to put that. But to have like a an icon or an image is not generic, you know, that really represents them that they feel like, okay, that's us or, oh, that's, that's me. And it's, please don't replicate every other website. It's just like your, you know, just in your industry, like SaaS, they all have like the computer image, like the cartoony graphic, you know, with people working on the computer or like whatever, like, please don't do that. You know, I think Um, it's called Lottie, a Lottie image or L-O-T. Yeah. 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 It's like, change it up, start something new. It's, it's, trust me, it's better. So what I was saying with like the positioning, I think is really key. The pain point, what is the pain point? What is the awareness level? As you were talking about, when someone comes to your site, what is it? A lot of times, you know, it's the difference between like a pretty website. It's like a pretty resume. It's like, I put my name at the top. I put the subtitle of what I do. It's like a LinkedIn profile. Right. And then I put like all the things, all my services. And it's like, you haven't really proven that you know who's coming to your site. Yeah. You want to be able to connect with them like super quickly. So is there enough space on your site for people to absorb what you're telling them? Is your positioning about them and their pain points and not you? Is the imagery and the icons, are they helping in a millisecond or hurting the content that they support? Is your copy quick and succinct, quick and succinct so that somebody can scan your page and literally 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about the 333 rule? Is that the way it's, something is formatted? I've never heard that it in an actual title before, but someone will look at your site for three seconds. So that's your header, right? The three seconds, they're captivated. They will spend the next 30 seconds scanning the rest of your site. And then you go to the about page second. So most important page is the homepage. About page is always second. People want to know your why. And if that works in the next, they'll spend three minutes scanning through all your other content. So they'll spend three seconds on your header, 30 seconds looking through your home about page, then services page, probably Mm -hmm. maybe your blog post content, if you have any, and then they'll convert at that point or not convert. Interesting. I thought it was really, really, yeah, a good thought. I know it's really, I've read all kinds of statistics about how many seconds people will give you. And it's not long. I think, yeah, three seconds sounds about right at the most on your header. People have to get it right away or they're just not, you know, and I, I can tell from, I use um, Hotjar. I don't know if I mentioned this to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great tool. I love that because you can see where people are getting stuck, you know? Mm-hmm. So, well, I don't want to hold you any longer. This has been great, but where can people find you? And if they want to know more about your services and how you may be able to help them. Sure. Yeah. Updesignsla.com. I think it's also in my little screenshot here. And then also I have a new video interview series, just like you, except it's going to be limited to my favorite sort of innovators, clients, people that I've worked with who are just like changing the game. I'm super excited. And I'm just going to be interviewing them and finding out. Where's that going to be? Is that? So that's rolling out in the next few weeks. I will have it on YouTube, but I'll also, if you want to follow me on LinkedIn, I'm pretty active there. So I can be rolling them out there too. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'll put all this in the show notes too, the links so that people Great. can just click on it. But thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun, especially hearing about your mud races and everything too. Oh yeah. <laughs> but thanks again. This thank you so much, Linda. 
That wraps up today's episode. I hope you found it as fun to listen to as it was for me to record. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe. And for additional info, visit my website at thecopyworks.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.